0: Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920
1: AM Here's your boy Q 303
2: is the time as we kick off our number two of the show Unnecessary Roughness Raider Nation Radio 920 Lindsey Brown holding it down in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio behind the wheels of steel I'm your boy Q at the house today the home studio in efforting. Charles Davis from NFL Network joining us to talk all things NFL draft in just a few minutes. But uh, we do have a couple texts that I'd like to get to on our Don'tBeBroke.com text sign at 69187, keyword R&R. Who is the player or maybe even the position that would make you be unhappy, would make you become unhinged? You just don't want to hear the silver and black pick them in the first round of the draft coming up at the end of April. Again, 69187, keyword R&R. Just when Wendy said, Do not pass go on Anthony Richardson." Or Jalen Carter. Defense, defense, defense. A corner, please? That's from Just Win Wendy, so she is no go on Anthony Richardson and no go on Jalen Carter. How about this shot at Lindsay from the 925? Whoa! I would say pulling a Vikings and miss the pick time frame like they did in 2003. Taking it back.
0: Whoa! I mean, that's really in the early days of, of the fandom. I might have been a Packers fan at that point in my life, but regardless, there there are certainly no shortage of debacles in the purple people eater region.
2: There you go. How about Barry on the don'tbebroke.com text line? Q, I don't want them to reach. Would love to watch the draft, and when Raiders pick, nobody's like, who? Or someone say that they had that player at the end of the first or the second round, that's from Barry. And, yeah, that's that's one of the, the big fears, right? I think every fan base gets fired up about the draft, but I think, especially Raider Nation, of course, and I know I've been victim of this every single year as well. I think that they're going to get that player that's really going to turn them around, and then we all have in our mind who it's going to be, and then it's someone else, and we all kind of look around like, wait, wait, hold on, what just happened here? And that's that's the nerve racking part when it comes to the NFL draft. Speaking of the NFL draft, joining us now on the phone lines from the NFL Network is our good friend Charles Davis. And, Charles, I definitely appreciate your time this afternoon. And, man, the draft is about 20 days away in Kansas City. How excited is this time, my man? You know, Q, I think it's
3: it's the time of year that all football fans get excited because it's the time of year that everyone has hope. Everyone believes next year is going to be the year. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things that as more and more information has become available for fans, they can participate even more. Like fantasy football makes you feel like your own GM, right? right? Yeah. And you have your own team, right? Picking the draft, because all 22 tape is now available for fans where they can watch all the games they want, watch all 22, which is something that we on the inside used to have as kind of the, the trump card. Right. Like, hey, I got all 22 tape. You just watch TV cops. You don't see it quite the same way. Well, now they're like, yeah, but I watch six games all 22. I can tell you everything I need to tell you. He's like, okay, 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 my bad. <laughs> all right. And and to me, that's a very good thing because more information, more analysis out there available, more educated for are, are the fans these days. I tell my colleagues all the time, Q, don't don't half step with fans now. <laughs> Okay? Right. You right. You, you best come correct or everything's going to go haywire on you. So that's why it's exciting to me, because we have those conversations and debates. And people are really, really well-informed.
2: No, they really are. And NFL Network's going to have all the coverage that you need for the whole draft. That's the 27th through the 29th in Kansas City. Can't wait to get out there. And, CD, last time I saw you, we were at the Combine in Indianapolis. And, of course, the big story coming out of there was Jalen Carter, him having to leave, right? And uh, yeah. that, that was crazy. He left, had to come back. And, you know, we've, we found out all the, you know, kind of the fallout ever since then. But how fortunate was he that that was the beginning of March and not the end of April when that happened?
3: Really, really fortunate. And able to try and work his way through things, and he did legally, right, as best we can tell, legally, from what I saw, you know, whatever the final verdict was on his case, it was misdemeanors. And what I saw that really interested me, that really got my attention, was they say that this case cannot be refiled nor retried. Right closed Mm -hmm. okay now however people want to view it that's up to each individual person I'm not here to (laughs) adjudicate anything right I'm not here to go through the court system that's where he is there I know it led to other questions and concerns that teams are going to have to explore and investigate and all that but to your point about when it happened that he had a chance to work through it yeah absolutely so but Q here's the thing this league does not let talent get away. Right. Let's go back. Randy Moss comes out with all these questions, right? And everybody's, oh, Randy, Randy, Randy. And a lot of people pass. What do he go, 25? Right. In the first round? Yep. So a lot of people pass, and he made everyone pay.
2: <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm.
3: He destroyed the NFL that first year. I don't know that there's been a more exciting entrance in the NFL than Randy Moss as a rookie. All right. He became a cautionary tale because. To me, watching him hit it there, other people said, Okay, let's let's, let's not make the same mistakes. Okay. Laramie Tunsell is sitting there with a full mask on and smoke billowing out on draft night. We're all watching the video. The draft is going on, and that video hits. Remember where he went?
2: Yeah, he went to where you go to Miami, right? He went to Miami. Yeah,
3: at, at what number?
2: Oh, that's a great question. Round two?
3: 13. Oh, the 13. Round.
2: There you go. So, so you want to talk about a
3: slide. If you right. always talk about, oh, he slid. 13?
2: Right. That's not that big and of a slide. I'm
3: watch- <laughs> and I'm watching a gas mask
2: <laughs> and right both
3: billowing out. So, all I'm saying is if they can get comfortable enough that, hey, he's a kid, he did this wrong, he did that wrong. Jalen Carter, I don't believe he's getting out of top 10. To me, the absolute stop for him is Philadelphia 10. Right. Chicago at nine makes sense because they might have taken him one if they never treated the pick. Right. You know? Yeah. So there's a bunch of places. Seattle at five. Oh, yeah. Pete Carroll's never dealt with difficult players before, right?
2: <laughs> yeah. That's not his MO. <laughs> okay.
3: And and I will tell you another place that I think has their culture in place already, even though they haven't been to the playoffs. And That's Detroit.
2: Mm, okay. I think Number that six. they have the
3: culture in place at six with the head coach and Aaron Glenn, a D coordinator. Kelvin Shepard, linebackers coach, Joe Scott Jr., defensive line coach. Just the whole way that team is grasped onto what Dan Campbell has tried to institute and implement To me, that's a good culture for him, too, in Detroit at six.
2: No, I I can see that. I absolutely can see that. Again, Charles Davis from the NFL Network is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. I saw you and your colleagues were talking about players that were kind of flying under the radar. And for me, my guy is uh, Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State, the the young corner, (laughs) 6'1", 166 at best as far as weight. I mean, how wild is that? But then at the same time, how the production that he's had on the college level.
3: Yeah, and, and, and by the way, you can forget flying under the radar. That's over.
2: Yes, okay? exactly. That's
3: done. That's done. Radar is, has, 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 has hit. If we were watching Maverick Top Gun, they hit missile lock. Okay, <laughs> they're on
0: it.
3: Yeah. 166 at the combine, weight 170 at his pro day. It's one of those ones that you're just trying to scratch your head, and I start going through my head. Who are the littlest DBs in terms of weight that made the league and played well? that I didn't have to worry about. Nikhil Roby Coleman comes to mind. Mm. Mm -hmm. Okay? But he was, but Forbes is taller, leaner, all right? Nikhil Roby Coleman, I think, weighed more. Jason Verrett out of TCU comes to mind. He weighed more Mm. by almost 15 pounds. Right. Okay? Amik Robertson out of Louisiana Tech, who the Raiders trying to figure out, is he an inside guy, is he an outside guy? He's an outside guy, but he looks like an inside guy. Right. Right? So that's the problem. But... The production of Forbes, 14 career picks, six of them returned for touchdowns. Go back and look at Amik Robertson's production at Louisiana Tech. It's very similar. Mm. And I'm big on guys who produce. A Jimmy Moreland, who came out of James Madison, not a full-time starter, but found a niche in this league. I think he had 16, 17 interceptions in college. Kevin Byard at Middle Tennessee State, 19 interceptions. It translates. Mm. I had a scout tell me this a long time ago, Alonzo Heisman. He called a home run hitter in theory. If the little guy hits, if the little guy's been producing at a certain level, trace his history. He probably produced at the lower level, and he's got a good chance producing at the upper level. To me, that's Emmanuel Forbes.
2: I like him. I like him a lot, and uh, I keep wishing that he's going to drop to round two, but I don't see that happening with all the the production. I I think
3: someone's going to take a shot, even though he weighs 166, 170. When you watch him on tape, he doesn't turn down anything in the run game. Right. Okay? He, he, you know, he's not what he's not. He's not even really a cut tackler. He's much more of a wrap up, try and get into the chest type of a tackler, even at 170. And another highly rated corner who's like that is uh, Devon Witherspoon, mm. Devin Witherspoon,
2: mm-hmm. who, who, who weighs,
3: I think, 181, maybe. <laughs> but watch his tapes and see if he doesn't stroke guys because
2: he does. Yeah, he does. He's a guy that uh, I, I like. I like it number seven for the Raiders. To be honest with you, I, I wouldn't have no problem if they drafted him at number seven because they they need difference makers. As you know, I mean, it's just it's something about being a really good player and then a really good difference maker and, a, and an alpha dog type guy. And I feel like Witherspoon yeah. is exactly that. He's an alpha dog.
3: Yeah, and I think he finally got his forty in at, at, at his pro day. Yeah, he ran four 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 two. Which is a really good time, considering the injuries coming off of. So he's probably a little bit faster than that, and his tape certainly shows that he plays at that type of speed, that type of speed all the time.
2: Again, we're talking with Charles Davis from the NFL Network here on Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. Just got a couple more questions for you. As far as guys that are flying under the radar for you, guys that we're not talking about right now, but we should be and we might be at the end of April.
3: Okay, the quarterback position. I'm eager to take a look at Jaron Hall, at BYU. I yeah. think that he's a polished type of a kid now. He's, he's approaching 25, and everybody gets all hung, hung up on age. I'll take a 25-year-old rookie quarterback looking in the huddle with a bunch of grown men. I'll be okay with that. Mm-hmm. That doesn't bother me at all. I'm eager to see Zach Evans from Ole Miss, the runner, because he's a big-time player TCU. Remember when he went yeah. there the fanfare, the whole deal, you know, transfers out, goes to Ole Miss, was their lead guy last year, got hurt, and his freshman named Judkins came in, and boy, did he take off and go. Evans is the type of guy that maybe his best ball is actually ahead of him because he didn't get the heavy usage in college, but I think the talent is there. He's the kind of guy that I think is still going below the radar. Um, I think when I when I, when I'm looking at, uh, hold on a second, real quick. Oh, I'm looking at the offensive tackles because mm-hmm. we know how many there are that we're thinking first round. Okay, there's this kid at the University of Arkansas Pine Bluff by the name of Mark Evans. Okay, I don't think he's Toron Armstead. OK, I don't think that he is uh, Titus Howard, who, who ended up being a first rounder out of, out of HBCU uh, out of, out of HBCUs playing right tackle for the Texans. But I think that he's a guy that maybe day three rounds, four through seven, you can take him and move him inside to guard and he can be productive for you. There was a guy like that out of a out of a small school in Pennsylvania named Jari Evans, who ended up being a heck of a guard for the New Orleans Saints. That may be a little bit too rich. But when the name is Evans, I can't help but make
2: the comparison. (laughs) Right. I'm not mad at that at all. Final questions for you, CD. And it just seems like there's been a little bit of steam kind of let out of the train of uh, Kentucky quarterback Will Levis. Is it me or is it just not a lot of people are talking about him right now?
3: Yeah, it's funny how it goes, Q, and I have a theory on this and and work with me on it, okay? All right. We start – the draft process, the run-up to the draft, since the Masters is going on, they always talk about the run-up to the <laughs> to the Masters, right? Mm-hmm. The run-up to the draft starts, and we kind of have this guy's, you know, these are the top players, here's the guys, blah, 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 right? Then we go through a time frame where everyone's tired of talking about the top guys, so we got we to pick some nits here, all right? We got to start picking at them and finding flaws in their game and bringing them down and hitting them with this and hitting them with that because we want to talk about some new names. Then about a week and a half, two weeks before the draft, guess what we end up doing?
2: <laughs> Circling we, back.
3: <laughs> we end up kind of getting back to where we were before. So I think Will Levis is going through that now because he's going through the Hendon Hooker's on the rise from Tennessee. Gotcha. And I do believe that if Hendon Hooker did not had not hurt his knee, he would have been in the conversation all the way along anyway. We would have had a major fight of Hendon Hooker or Will Levis. Anthony Richardson's a different different animal because Anthony Richardson, we're talking about on the we're banking on next year, right? We're banking on him getting some experience because he's gorgeous. <laughs> All right, there's no better physical specimen in this draft. No doubt, no that.
2: doubt. <laughs>
3: That's what we talk about. But we would be talking Levis Hooker, Hooker Levis, Levis Hooker, and I think the Hooker is getting more and more attention now, and it's really eating away at Levis. But let's take a look again. One, you know, you and I, let's just talk offline if you want. If you want to talk online, that's fine with me too. Right. Let's, let's talk about a week before the draft. And mm-hmm. let's see where the wind's blowing on Will Levis at that point. It might be blowing back in his direction. And it wouldn't surprise me at all because I've seen it too many times. I mean, Andrew Luck went through it with, with RG3. Right. Where that's- people said, oh, RG3 might be better because it's going to be so bad, blah, blah, blah. And then they drafted Andrew Luck and, and they never regretted it. Washington got RG3, Rookie of the Year. They weren't regretting in the beginning, but as far as
2: longevity,
3: even though Andrew Luck left left the game, longevity and play over time, Andrew Luck turned out to be the right choice.
2: There's no doubt. There's no doubt. So I'm sure the wind's going to start sailing back towards Will Levis sooner rather than later, and, of course, NFL Network will be all over it April 27th through 29th in Kansas City. Charles, I can't wait to get to Kansas City. Can't wait for the draft, and I know I'll see you there. I always appreciate you, my man. Hey, Kansas City, here we come. I
3: won't sing it for you, Q, since we won't get kicked <laughs> off the radio, okay? But I'm looking I'm looking forward to seeing you there, as always. Always terrific to see you.
2: No doubt about it. Again, Charles Davis from the NFL Network. And so we're expecting to see the wind sailing back into the under the sails of one Will Levis. I thought, Lindsey, that he brought up a good point when he said that, that maybe that's just what the, it is. It's a cycle. We talked a lot about Will Levis when this whole draft thing started. And now it's Anthony Richardson and how big and how strong and how great he could be. It's and Hooker if he didn't tear his ACL. And Mike Tannenbaum from ESPN is saying he's a top five pick. You know, maybe that's the conversation. And then right before draft time, all of a sudden we're talking about Levis again.
0: Yeah, it's all about news cycle, especially for, for people like you and me that do that- dive deep into this every single day and and there's only so many times you can talk about these top guys and so our topic today is like who do you not want you try to find different angles and and ultimately I'm sure he's going to end up in, in a good spot because uh you're getting drafted in the NFL you're probably gonna end up pretty darn good no matter what but there are certainly better spots to land than others and Raider Nation wants absolutely zero to do with our spot being one of those options.
2: <laughs> just saying. I mean, that's that's what it feels like and seems like right now. That's what a lot of the reaction that we receive from many folks at Raider Nation. Uh, so far, no offensive lineman at seven. No Will Levis at seven. Don't reach for a tight end at seven. We've heard that. But what says you, Raider Nation, just when Wendy said do not pass go when it comes to Anthony Richardson or Jalen Carter. So what's on your mind? Who is it that you don't want to hear the silver and black draft? early in the draft. 702-365-9200. We have Sheena Quick coming up at 3.30 to talk all things Carolina Panthers, but you can also hit us up on the don'tbebroke.com text line 69187, keyword R&R. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Coming up at 3.30, Sheena Quick, Panthers beat, Panthers beat writer. She'll give us her latest on CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, other at number one for the Carolina Panthers. as They're sitting there with the top pick in the upcoming NFL draft. Interested because if C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young does not go one two, and all of a sudden one of those guys is sitting there at three, is a chance the Raiders move up. In my opinion, and go get them. We did throw the question out there to you at six nine one eight seven keyword R N R, and also seven zero two three six five ninety two hundred. Want to know what player or position do you not want to see the Raiders address with that first pick overall? What's the one that'll make you upset? Kind of get that look on your face, like what? Wait, what? You did what? You picked who? Nah, not that pick. That's what I'm looking for today again six nine one eight seven keyword R Mailman Raider is uh doubling down and letting it be known how much he does not want Will Levis on our don't be He said, Q, I'd be happier with Njigba, who's that's a uh, Jackson uh Njigba uh Smith, right? Is that Jackson Smith jigba Right, Jackson Smith Jigba, the wide receiver out of Ohio State, and he says then Levis, and we have not one need for a receiver. Also, shout out Lindsay, my fellow class of 2010 high school grad.
0: Yes, represent.
2: one 2010, you guys are babies.
0: Do you want to know what we wrote on our, our senior T-shirts for Takeover Day? You know what Takeover Day is?
2: Takeover Day, I can imagine, is, I don't know, Takeover it, Day. So
0: the seniors take their finals earlier than everybody else. And so okay. the day after, you know, we all go to school. And so technically the juniors are now rising seniors. So that's Takeover Day. And uh, at the time, the most popular album was Boom Boom Pow by the Black Eyed Peas. That was a good one. It was a ba- it, it, it set a lot of tables for music that we know and love today. But our, our shirts were a play on one of the lyrics, something like, they were so 2000, and then we are so 2010. Oh wow! So I another musical uh, deep dive for you to go down, added to your list. Q in addition to our Kelly Clarkson exploration yesterday. I'm
2: not going with the Kelly Clarkson. Exp- I'm not doing that at all. Not not going there at all. We're not we're not going down that path. But okay. black eyed peas were great back in the day. My buddy Gray, who I grew up with, he's actually a chef, and he's been on many cruise ships. While the Black eyes Peas have been touring and stuff like yeah. that, he's he's been on tour with them as their personal chef. Um, not For to mention, real? yeah, yeah, yeah. He's oh, he's he's that guy. He's that guy that just. I mean, he's yeah, he's awesome. Uh, he he has a great job where he's able to travel with different like Red Hot Chili Peppers. He was on tour with them. I mean, he's been on, wow. on tour with anybody. He's their personal chef, and so Black Eyed Peas are one of them. Black Eyed Peas was also a group that we had in the club uh, back in Fresno. When I was working for Q ninety seven, so I was the black IPs were cool. I, it was I'm, a
0: group I'm, at the club. You want to elaborate on that it was like a dance group? Is it like you rolled up together and then you rolled out together? No, they were the, buddy they, were, they performed
2: at the club. Okay,
0: okay. I'm just I'm clarifying because well, I, I don't make understand. Sure it, I don't
2: understand where you went wrong. No, I.
0: Well, that's just my my. Taking I don't understand. Literalism. You said
2: you said like, as a group at the club. Yeah. Well, I
0: just I didn't know if it was like a performance group or if it was an informal gathering of like minded human beings. You just you never. <laughs> Truly, no.
2: Three twenty-eight is the time. Sheena Quick. Are we going to are we going to keep it right here, or do you want to call? Do you want us to take a break and get her? What do you want to do after you after you black eyed peas us right off the right off the radio?
0: Well, I mean, I, I'm I'm really excited for for her to come on. So why don't we go to break? We'll get everything set up. <laughs> we'll have plenty of audio, and uh, I'll let my black eyed peas fandom calm down. I won't bring it back to our attention ever again.
2: She, <laughs> Sheena Quick is up next. It's, it's Radio Nation Radio nine twenty.
1: Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q.
2: Question that we threw out there on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. What do you not want the Raiders to do at number seven? Player, position, what kind of move do you not want them to make in the draft coming up at the end of April? This is Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Join us now on the phone line is Sheena Quick, and she is the beat writer, beat reporter for the Carolina Panthers, covers the Panthers like a glove, and – They have the number one overall pick. And Sheena, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. We do appreciate you. Before we deep dive into what the Panthers may be doing at that number one spot, what's the buzz like there around the Carolina Panthers with the fan base, knowing that they're just a couple weeks away from having their quarterback of the future?
1: Everyone's excited. Um, You know, you have your Bryce Young guys. You have your Cesar Stroud guys. You have your Anthony Richardson guys. So, I would say that between Bryce and CJ, that pendulum kind of just swings depending on what time of day it is and who you talk to. But there are a couple of outliers that are still hoping for AR-15 and Carolina black and blue.
2: It's going to be interesting. And there's a handful of quarterbacks that obviously could go number one overall. And I know when the Panthers, uh, they made that trade with Chicago, we had you on and you said, hey, they don't know who they want right now. How close do them? How close do you think that they are right now to knowing who they want? Or do you think that they've got it already locked in?
1: I think they're closing in on who they want. Um, I, I've asked, you know, because I, I, I guess like everyone else, I'm like, okay, you guys have like 12, 13 people. Like, are you guys going to pick But like, don't how's how is this going to work? And apparently there's circles within circles that will narrow down as we get closer to draft day, and it's going to come down to two to three people having their final say-so.
2: You know, I was on a, a conference call with Todd McShay from ESPN the other day, and he was asked, is C.J. Stroud the best pick? Or the safe pick, and he basically said he was the safe pick. What are your thoughts when you kind of compare and contrast C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young to what they want to do in Carolina?
1: I could see, I could see him saying that uh, that Bryce. I'm sorry, that C.J. is the safe pick because he has he takes away the size um, issues or the size fears and worries that people have about Bryce Young, and he takes away the experience worries that people have about Anthony Richardson. He's almost like the perfect in the middle prospect. But if you go into a deep dive into the metrics, he and Bryce Young are not that far apart statistically. So if you're really a stickler for size and durability and you feel like that's going to be an issue at the next level, you take CJ Stroud. But if you're going to – but Bryce Young is a talent in itself that could change a franchise. Do you custom fit your offense to match to Bryce Young and what you feel like may be his strengths and weaknesses? So right, absolutely. On, yeah, it just depends on who – they're going to – well, I'm not going to say who they're going to tailor their offense around. Whoever they pick, the offense will go around that integral piece. That's why they got so much veteran and, veterans and experience and free agency to be able to support a rookie quarterback. And I don't think you go wrong with either one.
2: Sheena Quick is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Now, GM Scott Fitterer, he was with Seattle when they took Russell Wilson. How much of that conversation has come up? Because obviously Russell Wilson, even though he's bigger than Bryce Young, as far as stockier and and sturdier, how much of that has come up in the conversation about potentially getting Bryce Young at one?
1: Well, Frank Reich has traditionally been known to like bigger quarterbacks, but he did tell us a couple weeks ago, he said, listen, I had a high grade on Russell Wilson. So he right. goes, Don't read too much into that. And I'm like, it's April. Or well, at the comedy is March. I said, it's, it's that comedy kind of year. Of course people are gonna read into that. <laughs> so he put it out there that listen, he has graded quote unquote undersized quarterbacks highly before, and he he does he said he doesn't know where he got this reputation of only like a bigger quarterback.
2: Yeah, that so is something I that's that, the narrative, yeah. right?
1: <laughs> so I thought that was interesting that Russell Wilson was who he picked. Um, to illustrate that point, as well as, like you said, Scott Federal was with but the Seahawks, and they took Russell Wilson. But they also didn't play Russell Wilson
2: at one either. Right, that part. Yeah, they got him, what, in round three. So there is, <laughs> there is a difference right there. So you mentioned mm-hmm. Anthony Richardson, and, of course, he's going to always get the comparisons of Cam Newton just because of his size and athleticism. But he didn't leave Florida to a national championship like Cam did. Do you think that that would almost be setting the young man up for failure if they grabbed him?
1: I don't necessarily think so, just because of the experience, like I said, that you have on the field around him, as well as in the coaching staff. And I saw somebody make the argument on social media. They said, listen, now, we're talking about, you know, we've been talking all all season about this, this coaching staff and quarterback whispers and how great they are, how talented they are. They should be able to take an Anthony Richardson and succeed with his physical tools, which is a great argument, a good argument. Um, and to be fair, we've seen Bryce, Bryce and CJ had great coaches at top tier programs. Mm-hmm. Anthony Richardson had, had How do you How do you say his name? Napier, Pierre. Oh. I'm not saying that because I'm, I'm I'm a Florida State alum. I'm just saying there hasn't he didn't have any consistency mm-hmm. at UF. So we don't really know what he's capable of with like a stable coaching staff as well as a great supporting cast on the field. Can, can you name any of Florida's receivers? And this is not a knock to those guys at all, because I hate when people are overly critical of college players that are still kids. But we haven't really seen him tap into an iota of his potential.
2: No, that's true. I, I honestly think that it would have been good. I mean, even though he's going to be a top, you know, 10 pick, no, no doubt about it, I think it would have been good I if he had had, had some more games, five. you know. So yeah, some more games under his belt would have really – Helped him out. So let me ask this question, because I feel like nobody's talking about this guy anymore. Is well, is Will Levis part of the conversation at all anymore? No. <laughs> Just, why, why is it? And, and I don't mean this in particular for the Panthers, but how come we're not talking about Will Levis as much as we were, say, a couple of weeks ago?
1: Because you shouldn't be. I don't even know why people were talking about him a couple of weeks ago if you go to the tape. Like, you know, I like I said earlier today, Adam Thielen did not, come to carolina to be turned into a db <laughs> yeah, we'll love that these interceptions are definitely a red flag um i would not be surprised if he dropped out of the top 10 but to his, to his you know advantage uh, it's a lot of it's a lot of teams were pitched in the top 10 to new quarterbacks mm-hmm. so he may slide in there he may he may slip out but i don't think that he's a I don't think in any other year, if there weren't as many quarterback-meeting teams, I don't think it would be a top-ten pick. I think that, uh, you know, people have gone away from the, oh, this is what we feel like a quarterback should look like or they should be this size or they should have these metrics. And people are looking at what are you doing on the field? What are your, your touchdown-to-interception ratios? You know, how are you in shotgun? How are you understand it, Like, they're looking at those things because you can't, do you have a Bryce Young and a CJ Stroud and Anthony Richardson in that draft class? where Levis is going to fall out of the conversation if Hooker hadn't been injured. I don't. I feel like Levis wouldn't have been in the conversation as long as he has been.
2: Mm-hmm. I agree. No, I, I like Hendon a- Hooker a lot. Mm-hmm. He was man. He's he's a dude who could play, and unfortunately, he tore his ACL late. Late in the year as well, but he, uh, man, he—he's a dude that I think a team's going to get a really good player against. Gina Quick is our guest here. She's a Carolina uh, Panthers beat writer here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Chris Mortensen uh, the other day came out and said he feels like Bryce Young is the pick. He was pretty confident about Bryce Young is the pick. Uh, it's it's April, so it's Lion season. How much of that do you think we should take with a grain of salt? Everything, because nobody knows
1: who they're picking. There's right. people in the building that don't know who they're picking. Um, and just like I said earlier, you know, it depends on what time of day, what day of the week, and who you're talking to. Because one day, the odds are, you, you being out there they just the odds are that, that Bryce Young was a pick. A couple weeks, a week or two ago, it was the C.J. Stroud was a pick. Tomorrow, it may be C.J. Stroud again. Like These prospects are so closely – they're so close statistically. I, I don't know, has there been two quarterback prospects that were this closely, you know – I'm not supposed to end but this close statistically in recent years?
2: Yeah, I don't know if it's statistically. I just know, like, uh, we had Charles Davis on a little while. And he talked about RG3 and, and Andrew Luck, how they were, you know, back and forth. And one minute, Andrew yeah. Luck was the best thing since, you know, sliced bread and then RG3. Like yeah. So but do you think that that's comparable
1: to that, or do you think this is a little bit closer?
2: I think this is a little closer because I think that Andrew it Luck, there's like no it, doubt, right? you know, yeah. So
1: It really feels a lot closer. And, I mean, I this is only my eighth season, so or going into my eighth season, so I don't want to disrespect anybody by, you know, just not remembering times prior to me being in this industry. That's why I asked. am like, you know, in, in my recent memory, I haven't seen two that were that closely regarded as you have no idea if it's a toss-up between one and two.
2: Right. I mean, you know, we can go back to Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota, and, well, you could say that neither one of those worked out, right?
1: Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, they worked <laughs> out for a little while, but not really. Bit.
1: Yeah, for a little bit, but not, not not, not, the way you would have thought, you know, no. how, how they were regarded coming out of college. Um, I don't know, we're going to see. Like, a, a lot of people are like, oh, the Puppets, they, they know exactly who they wanted, number one, that's why they would the one. I don't agree with that. I think they, need to, they wanted to look at those two a lot closer. And if they didn't go to one, the highest they would have been able to get was three, and both of those guys are going to be gone.
2: Right. Well, that's that's the thing. As far as the Raiders are concerned, you know, the conversation has been if CJ or Bryce happens to be there at three for some crazy reason, if one of them happens to fall nah. to three, they would trade up. But I don't think that's happening. I really don't.
1: It's not happening. And so, I mean, everyone's looked at, looking at, you know, who's going number one. I'm intrigued to see who's going to, you know, try to jockey to get the number three, whether it's going to be you guys or the Colts. <laughs>
2: I, th- I think it'll be the Colts. Well, I really do. I think the Colts make the – or Tennessee. That's my that's my dark horse, Tennessee as well. Oh. There you go. I'm dropping knowledge. I'm dropping nuggets, Cena. I'm dropping nuggets. You're dropping nuggets. <laughs> you are
1: dropping nuggets. I mean, it's the least you could do since you wouldn't let me chill. you. I'm never – you're never living that down. Oh,
2: unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. You got to bring up old stuff. I had one job.
1: <laughs> yeah, one job. One job. But, uh, I mean, listen, it's heating up. What, what, twenty days out?
2: Yeah, twenty days from today. Are you going to be in Kansas City?
1: It depends on if that pick is going to be there or not.
2: Oh, they've got to be there. The pick's got to be there, right? Bryce or CJ's got to be there.
1: If, if Bryce or CJ's there,
2: I'm there. Okay, there it is. If well, it's I, some
1: I... stroke of the imagination, they decide to be at home and the comfy confines with their family. Yeah. I'm
2: yeah, no, that's true. That that could happen, but it's—I'll tell you what—the next few weeks, the next twenty days is going to be intriguing because it can really go any different direction. And I don't know. I mean, like you said, you've been doing this eighth season now. How 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 long do you think it's going to take until they're finally locked in on this is our guy?
1: I think mm, probably like ten days
2: out. Okay. That's about that's that's about right. About ten days out they can start figuring out exactly what they need to do and move forward. Yeah, okay. I've
1: been told it's definitely not definitely not going to be a, you know, last hours type of thing. Like they're not going into the twenty six, twenty you know, going into the V hours of April twenty seventh and not right. you know, not sure of who they're picking.
2: No, no, and I'm sure that they have a good idea right now. They're just probably putting the finishing touches on it. And let me ask you this: as we wrap yeah. up, what have you thought about just the new, the new staff, the new coaching staff? You know, Frank Reich there now. I know you weren't a big Matt Rule guy, but what, or a Matt Rule person. But what do you think of the staff?
1: I think it's a, a great collection of young and experienced. Might say old, but young and experienced. So I think you get the innovative, you know, offensive play calling. Even though he's not to start out calling plays of, you know, a Thomas Brown, then you have Josh McCown in the building also, but then you have the wisdom of Jim Caldwell and, and Frank Wright. So I think and that's just on the offensive side of the ball. We're not gonna talk about Don Capers or um E-Gero Everett on the other side of the of the ball. So I I think it's it, it's exciting and the Panthers fans are, you know, they've gotten over the fact that Steve did not get the job. They're like, Yeah, that absolutely sucks. Mm-hmm but we have a real coaching
2: staff again. There you go. Well, Frank Reich, he, was, he had a he had a large uh, contingency of people around him at the owners' meetings in Phoenix not too long ago. So uh, I, I saw him and I thought of you because I knew exactly uh, that you were relaxing and saying, you know what, I'm taking this one trip off. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah.
1: You know, and David Tepper said, look, you can't have a C- – I've learned you can't have a CEO type of head coach, and I think that you know that has been reflective in how this coaching staff has been assembled and how they have approached this offseason and, and the you know the trading up and the free agency news. you could tell it is definitely a collaborative effort
2: i bet i bet well it's going to be interesting i cannot wait 20 days kansas city here we come nfl draft we'll see who the panthers get at one the texans at two and what what team decides to make the move to three, if any? Well, Sheena, great stuff as always. Uh, it's great to catch up with you, talk a little Carolina Panthers and their quarterback situation. I know the fans there are super excited to get their next quarterback of the future. Anything you're working on that we should be on the lookout
1: for? Uh, just getting ready for this, job. Right.
2: Well, I see you. You're, you're on the news. You're on the radio. You're writing stuff. You're doing this, that, and the other. You're talking bad about folks on on, on uh, workout equipment, on social media. I mean, you're, you're doing it all.
1: <laughs> I just commented on someone else's video. That's weird. I've been, I've been pretty good. I haven't been shaking the table lately. What was, right?
2: since, I, since I brought it up, what is that machine that that young lady was on that she terrible that something went terribly wrong on uh, that I saw on Twitter that, earlier?
1: That is a hip abduction machine. And since I hurdled in college, I have a much um, wider range of motion. So I actually turn around <laughs> on the machine just so that I can get a, a, good, a better burn. But you have to be coordinated now. Like, it, it, you cannot be clumsy.
2: Right. Well, she looked like you she had a little clumsy. clumsy in her.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah, she should have been more self-aware.
2: Right, that part. There it is Thank right you. there. Well, Sheena, thanks so much. <laughs> it's great catching up with you. Uh, enjoy your weekend. And if the if the number one overall pick is in Kansas City, then we'll see you in Kansas City
1: you will see me in Kansas City. Thank you guys for
2: having me. Absolutely appreciate you. There she goes, Sheena Quick does a fantastic job covering the Carolina Panthers like a glove. And uh, yeah, man, that that <laughs> there was a video, Lindsay, and and I know that you know you're getting us-
0: beat up today. There's not a, there's not a lot of great news of the athletic accomplishments on this Friday. <laughs> no, it wasn't, not a great Friday. Just this a good wasn't one. me.
2: This wasn't a video of oh, me. Oh, some, it's somebody else. Some, yeah, some young lady was was. I don't know what kind Getting of Getting after the, yeah. the
0: equipment without really knowing how to use it. Yeah, she
2: didn't know what yeah. she was doing, and it went terribly wrong. And, you know, for some reason, people video everything now because I guess that's just a thing to do, uh, just video everything. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, this this lady, and then you could see that as soon as she fell, she kind of looked around like, who's watching? And then realized that somebody was videoing because they realized oh, this is going to end bad. And, uh, <laughs> and so Sheena had responded and was like, yeah, that's not actually how you're supposed to use that equipment. So like it, was, it was pretty funny. So there's that.
0: This but, yeah. is the place to be to to be shamed for your <laughs> athletic shortcomings.
2: I didn't do that. See, see how you are. You you, made, you took it to a whole nother level. I'm just saying. You that's two segments
0: there. in a row, or two you or put, three.
2: You put twenty on ten. You just put twenty on ten. Three forty nine is the time. Many thanks to Sheena for joining us. There's still no decision. On the quarterback, is it Bryce? Is it CJ? Who's the safer pick? Well, you are hear from Tom Shea and he'll let you know who he thinks next. It's Radio Nation Radio 920.
1: Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q.
2: Just had Sheena Quick, Carolina Panthers beat writer on, talking all things that number one overall pick in the upcoming draft. Carolina made the move from 9-1, to one, trading up with the Bears to go have control of the draft, which they have. So they can go with anybody. The Raiders attempted to get up to number one to have control of the draft so they can go with anybody. They clearly did not get that number one spot. Carolina has it. Who are they going to pick? C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, other, right? It sounds like there's an outside chance, maybe a very slight chance. Anthony Richardson could be involved in that, but most likely not. At least that's what it sounded like from Sheena. And everything that I've read and heard is most likely C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, which would take the Raiders out of the running to – Possibly trade up to number three to get one of those guys. As she said, then most likely neither one of those guys will be available at number three. But when I was on with Todd McShay uh, and he had his pre draft conference call just a couple days ago, he was asked about that number one spot. And a lot of people are leaning towards CJ Stroud because of his size. He's also a really good quarterback, right? He's got plenty of skins on the wall, he can get it done, he's very accurate. But people just talk about his size, and then they they fault him for staying in the pocket and not running a lot at Ohio State. So the question was posed to Todd McShay: Is C.J.
4: Stroud the best pick at number one, or the safest pick at number one? <laughs> I think Bryce Young is the best pick. I think Stroud is probably the safer pick. And it had—I'm like, not worried about the height in ter- for Bryce Young in terms of seeing the field and and being able to locate receivers and all of that. He has proven, like Drew Brees and and many and, you know, several others, that he can maneuver in the pocket and he can locate receivers down the field. He has no trouble seeing over offensive linemen and all that stuff. It's just about his durability. Mm-hmm. And he had the shoulder this year, which kind of, you know, they shut him down in practice for a few weeks and, and limited his throwing to try to help him, you know, recuperate. But other than that, he stayed healthy as a two-year starter at, at Alabama. But, you project to a 17 game season in the NFL with those defensive linemen and trying, you know, doing their. And I know their quarterbacks are protected now, but they're still taking a beating. You look at Tua Tonga Bailoa this past year and kind of getting ragdolled and thrown around. You just, you worry about that a little bit. But, but Tua doesn't have the mobility and the pocket presence and the feel for pressure and even the mobility, like the, the escapability that, that, Bryce Young does it. You know, I, Herbstreit and I've talked about it, and Herbstreit's the one who brought it up, and I, I couldn't agree more. Like, I think, like, it's, watching Bryce Young is like watching Steph Curry in a basketball game. You know, the size just doesn't matter because it's, they're so different. Everything, everything is so slow. And, 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 and the way they process things so quickly and see the whole field or the whole court is so similar. And and with Bryce you get a player that can extend plays and can create magic inside and outside the pocket. He had the highest QBR of all these quarterbacks outside the pocket because of his ability to, to feel pressure, where it's coming from, no one to bail, know which side to bail to, know how much time he has, and, and the, the willingness and the toughness to, to wait to the last second and, and he'll, he'll take the hit or he'll duck out of the hit right after he makes the throw. But to know exactly when it's the perfect timing and when he has to bail on the play versus when he can hang in there and allow a receiver to get open, and you see so many of his great plays, it's like right before the defender's going to reach him, he maximized the amount of time that he could for the receiver to go get him, to go get open, I should say, and and then all of a sudden the ball's out in the flash and and, the, and it's spotted perfectly on the receiver. So you get that with Bryce. Now what what. CJ does better; it's slightly better than than uh, Bryce, and you know there, there's a somewhat noticeable difference. He has a stronger arm, and inside the pocket, he's as good as there is in this class in the last couple classes in terms of just processing quickly, getting the ball out with anticipation, and being able to to layer throws on all three levels with exceptional ball placement. I mean, you've got CJ is the best pocket, pure pocket passer with a bigger build so on paper he's he's built to last longer in the nfl versus cj who who can extend and create and has this presence and field vision like no other in this class but the only thing i'm worried about with with um with bryce is can he hold up you know that's that really is it i mean if if he was 6'2, 220 pounds There would be no conversation. Bryce Young would clearly be the number one quarterback in this class.
2: There you go. Todd McShay kind of comparing and contrasting Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. Safe pick as opposed to best pick. Best pick, he said, Bryce Young. Safest pick cj stroud want to hear your thoughts at 702-365-9200 also our don'tbebroke.com text line 69187 keyword r&r as we kick off hour number three of the show we don't have any more guests so it's all you plus we have some more sounds from espn's todd mcshay that will kick off in hour number three as well but what do you not want to see the raiders do at number seven is really the question of today as we close out the week really strong on this good friday and headed to the easter weekend let us know about it raider nation it's raider nation radio 920